This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Today, we talk about productivity. Did you know that according to a study, organizations that have fully embraced digital transformation are 26% more profitable than those who have not? This highlights the importance of digital transformation for businesses to stay competitive, drive growth in today's digital age. I'm your host, Brian Wagner, licensed professional engineer, and in this episode of the Engineering Quality Control Podcast, I'll be talking with Adam Stark who is the co-founder at JetBuild, about the digital transformation in the world of engineering and construction and how it's shaping the future of these industries. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into this world of digital transformation. So now I'd like to welcome our guest for today, Adam Stark, co-founder at JetBuild. Adam, welcome to the Engineering Quality Control Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. I'm very excited to be here. Let's get started, Adam, with maybe telling our audience a little bit about what you do on a daily basis and what type of engineering experience you might have. On a daily basis, I kind of split my time in, in two ways. One is your typical kind of business development, right? So just outreach, spreading the the name, the brand of, of JetBuild, meeting new potential clients. And then the second half, which is probably the more uh, fulfilling half of my day, I'll call it, is engaging with existing clients and engaging with existing data, right? So what I mean by both of those is understanding what clients are actually using on our product, how they're using it, both from their you know literal feedback and the data, and then continuing to refine our software accordingly, right? So if you could imagine Apple iPhone, I'll just use that as like the default example and how they release product updates all the time. So they come out with iOS 16, then you know, a few weeks later, it's 16.1, 0.102, et cetera, et cetera. So we're doing the same thing, right? Like any software, it's just this continual refinement cycle. We focus really heavily on what our clients need, ask for, questions I may have, and then the data that backs kind of the use case and then deliver accordingly. Can you give us just like this overarching of what JetBuild is? JetBuild is real estate command center in one line, right? So it's this end-to-end solution from pre-con functions to construction functions to project delivery. And then if you happen to be, for example, a developer or building owner, you could then leverage it for asset management as well. So it's this end-to-end lifecycle project management solution that also captures data. One of the notes that we have is about digital transformation and the revolutionizing that technology is doing to the landscape. What's your opinions on that? So if you look at uh, historical data on the industry, you know you get these abysmal numbers of you know since 1968 or some odd year where productivity has not increased. However, since the early 2000s, you have these 
project management tools that have released to the market and have proven to provide productivity increases on job sites. So it kind of creates this dynamic of question of, you know, how does that make sense, right? Like it has an increase in 68, yet, you know, since 2000, we have this data showing that there is increases in productivity. So my kind of realization there, and, you know, this is how the inception of JET occurred is, is to say, yeah, products exist. However, evidently and clearly they haven't been adopted to the scale where we're pushing the industry forward to productivity as a whole. And, you know, going back from my own experiences and Joseph, my co-founder, his experiences on construction job sites, um, we were not able to adopt those products. One reason being is having a complicated uh, user interface, user experience. So UI, UX, having a difficult to use product. Basically, we took that information, both on the lack of productivity, both on the evidence of using a product and the difficulty in using what existed in the market. And we went ahead and started building our own solution, right? So wrapping back to your question is, I think that if we can cover, and this is what Jet is doing, our our vision here, is if we can cover this baseline essential with smartphone simplicity, as I call it, to allow for all users, whether it's site operator, all the way to a, a lender who's looking at reports, ensure that this productivity is being addressed from, you know, like I just mentioned, the end-to-end side of both the life cycle of the property and the life cycle of the users, then I think we could push productivity to what it should be, uh, similar to other industries in the market. I was thinking about that the other day as well, as far as like with CAD and how we were going to get away from paper. And I think we waste more paper now than we ever have. In printing things, the way that we have always done it, if I hear that one more time, I just want to pull my hair out and I'm losing my hair. So I'm not going to have much to pull out. I can do it faster the way we used to do it. But is that more efficient? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have not been able to find handwritten computations because somebody submitted the originals and they just poof, they're gone. And we might have a scan of them. Like it was just crazy with that. And I can definitely see where it's got to be easy to use. How many games have you downloaded on your phone and delete it in 15 minutes because it just didn't make sense or it was dumb? A hundred percent. Yeah. Like doubling down on what you brought up is essentially, if you look at the complications of softwares that exist, it's almost created this duplicative effort, right? Where you're doing, okay, now you're going to do it on the software, but then you're also going to continue to print it because, you know, that's the way that we were used to producing the materials that we needed to produce. So to your point of games on your phone, you just delete what ends up being complicated. You just don't use what ends up being complicated. So going back to that core concept, right, is to say, let's address the complication while allowing for productivity, right? So create a simplified product, address the baseline, create this backbone tech stack of digital transformation, and then let's move on from there. Through that process, you're adding value. Absolutely. Yeah. So similar to all of the statistics that uh, one could really easily find about productivity and how it's gained from digital transformation. So it's that same concept in a simplified manner, right? So it's creating that, like I just said, right, this backbone of digital transformation for your company. I mean, we've done this in quite literally an hour for organizations. It almost feels shocking when I say that just because we've come to have this perception that's ingrained in us now that creating digital transformation or adopting a product as a solution is this complicated, heavy lift that's going to take forever. In reality, it doesn't have to be. It just doesn't have to be that way. Think about when you get a new phone, 
there's simple ways of bringing it up to speed. There's simple ways of starting to use it because it's new tech. And now we're as a whole, just as people, right? We're, we're used to using technology. MicroStation has been my CAD platform that I've used majority of my career. It came with, if you printed out all the manuals, it were like six or seven, three inch binders. And now they don't even produce it. The instructions, the help is more integrated and it's more intuitive because the people that are even the youngest, but even the older, the, I mean, I'm 40. So in the that mid-career level, we grew up with PlayStation, Nintendo, and learning those games and learning the technology on the fly. So the more that it's integrated, I think the easier it is for everybody my age and younger to definitely embrace. And I can definitely see how that's very helpful. But what kind of key friction points have you faced or that you see that industry professionals face in the process of adopting these ideas? I mean, you actually noted on something that's really interesting and kind of ties into the question as well, is to point out that it's really starting to be just across all industries, right? This change of guard, I'll call it, right? For That's a saying that people understand where decision makers, just the general workforce, everybody that's working has some relatability to tech from childhood or close to it. So that's all to say that it's inevitable that adoption is going to occur because it must in order to, you know, increase productivity, to create collaboration, to track, to own data, all these, you know, important elements that exist in basically every industry. So to kind of wrap back into the question that you asked as it relates to friction, in my own experience, you know, coming from the construction space and then now in my experience on the tech side, similar frictions that I see exist. And, and I bring it back to these legacy products. This is my like saying, right? These legacy products created an amazing kind of awareness of technology. However, at the same time, they've also ingrained this preconceived notion that it's a friction-filled process, right? That you need certifications to onboard uh, project management tools, that you know you need this lengthy training to implement it across your company, that each feature set is this complicated process to add onto or to refine. So pulling away from that, right, I'll break it down into a few things. One is understanding, right? So onboarding and training for a product. So I'll go back to a smartphone, right? If you think you know how to use a smartphone, if you think that your colleagues or your employees know how to use a smartphone, then you should know how to use your baseline project management tool, right? That's one. Two is in terms of implementation across your organization. First and foremost, if that actually is some heavy lift, then start small, right? Start on one project, start on one division, start on one area, however it is that you want to kind of conceive of it. So that's that second layer of friction is start small, start um, in an easy manner to then roll out over time. And then the third thing happens to be uh, price point in terms of uh, frictions, where legacy products are typically pricing based on percentages of your project cost. And that's something that I know coming from the industry, the, the builders I worked for really, really hated. You know, we've moved away from that as well as a solution. So to kind of wrap that up, I said three things. One is call it onboarding or training. That's one friction. Second friction is adoption across the company. And then third is uh, price point. The more that you can smooth those, obviously the less friction, the more adoption, the more embracing, the more positive feedback. And not necessarily to you, but the positive internal feedback that this is not a waste of my time and that it's actually helpful and it's not, I'm not redundantly doing things. Yeah, totally. And you may have touched on this. And I think you probably 
caught about. I have a note here about like the productivity gap in the industry and how do we overcome that hesitation to adopt new things? And some of it's obviously going to be fear of the unknown or is it going to help me now because I'm losing money on this job now? I can't afford to continue to lose money on this and the next three jobs before it becomes productivity or productive and the people that are using it are educated and able to use it and leverage it and so on. Do you have any thoughts on that? Us in the industry of construction and development get a bad rep. And I think the reason for that and you know, also why this issue dates back to you know, 1968 is sometimes people don't recognize the level of complications or the level of complexity that exists in building anything, right? I mean, you're talking about dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of different companies that need to collaborate from office to field and vice versa, logistics, weather, all these crazy things that occur, you really need to get everybody to work together. So if you're on within your own company, within your own department, if you have difficulties in working with other teams, now imagine doing so across multitudes of teams, uh, you know, across different areas, even right, you know, office to site, et cetera. Uh, so I just wanted to lay that out, give us uh, in the industry some, some credit there for mass collaboration. Now, beyond that, in terms of, you know, kind of getting us up to speed and, and addressing these use case pain points, these frictions, something that we've done to address that question, to address that difficulty, first and foremost, is creating a platform that allows everybody to centralize their information, centralize their workflows. And what that means is so that everybody could understand when they're responsible for what and how that impacts others and vice versa. So that's first and foremost, which is kind of a basis, doesn't matter what industry you're in. I mean, that's very relevant, especially if you're working cross-channel. Two is we've implemented uh, robust yet simple measures to kind of create downstream simplicity. So what I mean by that is I'll take uh, the middle process as an example, right? So we have access and permission controls for all of our features. And beyond that is you can limit the product visibility to specific workflow or responsibilities for specific end users. So for example, you can onboard whoever you want responsible for a submittal and allow them access and visibility literally and only to what they've been assigned to or signed for, right? That functionality works across all of our products, whether it's uh, all of our features, whether it's a project budget, a payment app, a submittal, a punch list, whatever it may be. So that's to say if the end user is, you know, on a job site and not sitting by a computer then could navigate a full end-to-end product, well, that person, that end user on the job site is literally only seeing the submittal and punch list that is relevant to them. So that's a way that we're looking to address the existing friction. You've definitely taken on a, a bit of a leadership role across the industry trying to support the industry. But from a leadership perspective, either your own experience or what you've worked with, what drives those initiatives? Obviously, you are very versed on your product and what you are selling. But if somebody else is considering other options or other ideas of how to make improvements and leverage technology, what advice would you have for them from a leadership role? This is actually, again, like similar to kind of any industry. And I would suggest that you take your leader and your champion, as we call it, whatever relevant leadership in the company needs to be on board and understanding of how a technology can help them. So as an example, I'll use, you know, our own product is could be a budget report. It could be a forecasting report. It could be a consolidated payment application uh, for them to review, right? So that's on their end for their understanding of what works. 
Now on the operator end, I mean, we could pull from the examples that I just gave in terms of simplicity. We could understand that it consolidates their efforts, right? So that support on what they're doing. And now it's the matter of kind of combining both of those outlooks and making sure that they understand that support individually for their roles is also supporting their collective managerial experience or collective you know, responsibilities. And then beyond that stage, I would say, yeah, let's back to kind of what I was alluding to before is let's start simple. Let's start easy, right? Let's start with one project. Let's start with one region, depending on the structure. So those are the elements I'd say is to find improved ways that your product or service will support leadership, find ways your product and service will support the operators, then combine the two and start simple. I mean, simplicity is, and it goes back to, like you said, your user interface. The work that we do in engineering and construction is not simple. It's not overly hard. If you think about it logically, it's you're putting things together to finish a product. And it's just like going through the Lego set when you were a kid that had 73 steps. Like you finish it, you're just building on each previous step. And we don't think about it as that simple a lot of times, even though it really is. I mean, I've done talks and I've worked with people on stormwater and they're like, stormwater is so complicated. It's so hard. And I don't understand this. And I'm like, stormwater is two things. Slow it down and clean it on the way. Fundamentally, that's it. How we execute that is exceptionally hard. Fundamentally, all stormwater design is, is slow it down and clean it on the way so that you're not polluting the downstream properties and and creating erosion and things like that. But the execution is not that simple sometimes. Definitely. That's a great analogy. And even if you want to believe, and even if it is the case where the execution is complicated or even the steps before it are complicated, well, let's support your complications with simplicity, right? With technology, which is what it's supposed to do, right? Tech is supposed to simplify your life like a smartphone, for example, right? Technology has evolved and it's evolving rapidly. We're in the spring of 2023. We're just coming out of whatever you want to call the past three years. I question what the industry would look like if this happened 20 years ago. Because when I came into the industry, it took hours to get a print set just because the technology wasn't there. But even the meetings and the technological advances that happened over the past three years in the workforce and the hybrid or remote work or telework and all of those different things that have been affected, whether we like it or not. But how do you see like technology of the future Where do you see some of this going, maybe from the digital transformation that with AI and other aspects, like, I don't want to say people are going to be out of jobs, but I feel like those not so hard things will be done by computers at some point, but that's my opinion, but I'd be curious what your opinion is. The way I kind of see it is, again, recognition, the difference that is, you know, construction and development, where you have to transfer, you know, design, so paper or, you know, whatever files into tangible items. So that exists and the cross collaboration exists too. And I bring up those points because it's interesting to kind of perceive a future of, you know, this AI tech robotics without the necessity of people because it's going across companies, right? So maybe if you had a completely internal vertical team from construction through development, et cetera, where you're literally one company and you could centralize all of those AI tech functions, then maybe there's kind of that future where you know, you're know you really leveraging technology. 
Otherwise, I'll kind of go into where I believe the industry will go. Uh, I think first and foremost, there needs to be a standardization or at a minimum expectation that everybody's using a management product. When you go to start a job, you should expect that there's going to be a command center where everyone is going to communicate from, and that's going to be pulling data into, right? So that would be step one. Step two from that, what I can see is there's a lot of specific technologies that support a lot of specific functions that could integrate into that command center technology and then disperse to everyone else. So for example, it could be, let's say, safety technology. It could be ESG technologies. It could be really robust kind of scheduling, understanding, just a few examples of many. So that's how I see the industry going, right? Is, is that you go onto a project, a job site, there's that command center, that's just their standard. From there, each company could be leveraging their own tools. I think efficiency will increase a lot and maybe a single individual will be able to do more. I mean, that should be the case if they're leveraging technology. I can't see it being completely replaced uh, by robots. That's me, at least. I think modular is more of a direction that, that the industry could go. That's great advice. I mean, every time I have conversations on this topic or a lot of topics, like my head is spinning right now, and I'm sure our listeners are too, with ideas and thoughts about what and where and how and when and all those different aspects of trying to forecast. And it's virtually impossible to forecast exactly where we're going and what we're doing. But I just want to take a step back because we like to include in all of our episodes what we call the power of experience segment. So some piece of advice, it can be completely unrelated to what we've talked about today or something that you may want to pass along to the listener that they can take away from the episode, something that you want to pay forward, basically. So something that I'm pushing to everybody I know is to get on LinkedIn, right? And that's actually how we connected. The power of LinkedIn, the power of creating your relevant network, learning from individuals that you know may be ahead of you, maybe in the same stage of you, I think is, is truly a powerful tool to kind of uh, jumpstart your career or to push your career forward, to allow you to learn where, where in that industry you want to end up, where you want to go. I really recommend LinkedIn. If somebody told me that a bit earlier, I would have been 100% involved uh, at an earlier stage. That's my piece of advice for sure. What is the best way for somebody to connect with you? Should they want to get in touch or learn more about what you, what Jet's doing, or just keep up with you? Definitely. Uh, LinkedIn started to become very active on it, taking my own advice. So yeah, please find me on LinkedIn, reach out. Be happy to hear from you. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much, Brian. Really appreciate it. Please remember that you can find the show notes for this show and all episodes at Engineering Quality Control. Dot com. There you'll find a summary of the key points that we've discussed, along with links to both Jet and Adam's LinkedIn. Until next time, friends, I wish you the best in all of your engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.